everyone. Welcome back to the Congressional App Challenge Debugged Podcast. I'm your host, Medha, and today we have Ramant Sharma with us. Ramant Sharma is an undergraduate junior majoring in computer science with a specialization in machine learning. He has worked in the machine learning industry for over a year, participating in various AI for Good projects with the Trash Out NGO, an early stage Silicon Valley startup, and the World Resources Institute. Ramanch is deeply driven and motivated by research. Currently, he is an undergraduate researcher working with a professor from the University of Utah and a research intern at the Approximate Bayesian Inference Team at AIP Riken. He's also a member of the Codex Research, an international team of students focusing on science-driven mission statements for space exploration. Thank you so much for joining us. How are Thank you doing you, today? Thank you for having me here. I'm doing well. And so you mentioned research. Let's just get straight into that. What kinds of research are you most interested in? And can you talk about some of your past experience? Of course. Um, so I'm mostly interested in machine learning research. Um, I mean, of course, I'm motivated by research in general. But as I am in machine learning, I do machine learning research. Um, as, uh, as you mentioned in, in, my, in my short description, I've been working as a machine learning engineer for like a year so far. And, and some of my projects, um, well, all of my projects have been in developing data science solutions for AI for good projects. Mm. Um, and now I wanted to transition towards um, a research career. And that's why I started working uh, on two research projects simultaneously right now. We're trying to understand how a machine learning algorithm actually learns and how to improve that process. And in another project I'm working on, it relates to physics-informed machine learning. That's really exciting. And so this is all a lot of really in-depth research and complicated. How did you even get into artificial intelligence and machine learning in the first place? Okay, so um, and that's actually a cool story. So I was first introduced to mach- the, the, the words machine learning. I think it was junior year of high school, yes. Um, at that time, my teacher first, um, she, uh, I was a junior and she was mentoring um, some senior seniors at that time. In, in some time, I actually tried to um, make a small computer science coding project at one of the local hack days at my high school. And that was not related to ML at all. It was something, um, it was just a simple algorithm trying to, make a, trying to make an automatic program to play tic-tac-toe against a human player. And I remember, and I remember asking my computer science teacher, hey, is that, is that machine learning? Is that artificial intelligence? And she was like, no, that's not artificial intelligence. At that time, I was like, oh, okay. I guess then what is artificial intelligence? So that led me to actually start reading about it. Uh, I actually started yeah. learning about it concretely in my freshman year of college. And uh, yeah, I, 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 my college, my degree at my college has a specialization in ML, but all my knowledge and experience comes from online, online courses. So I studied about ML from um, Coursera, from different online courses, from Stanford mm-hmm. and from Deep Learning AI. And... Yeah, since then I've been doing projects and then I started working with other people. That's really cool. And it's very impressive that, you know, you kind of took on the role of being your own teacher um, because you felt like there was an interest in machine learning and AI. Um, And so bouncing right off of that, are there any resources specifically 
that you recommend to someone who's listening who's kind of heard machine learning as a buzzword wants to learn more but doesn't really know where to get started of course of course i always have i actually have many that i always share with mm -hmm. um, beginners who want to get started in machine learning um i and the resources I've, i i'm about to share i've seen them work time and time again uh, they work for me they work for others who started right after me and they're still working for beginners that I try to mentor now and then. Um, the, best, the best course to actually learn the fundamentals of machine learning, both mathematically and conceptually, and also get coding practice to try to code your models, both simple and complex, all in one resource, is the machine learning course by Stanford University on Coursera. It's a completely free course. You can just go to ml-class.org and you would go right to that course. It's taught by Professor Andrew Ng. Um, he's a professor at Stanford University and a renowned person in the field of AI. Uh, that course is really great. It uh, teaches you the con it teaches you um, co the coding in MATLAB, um, and that really teaches you how to code everything from scratch, which is really important uh, if you're especially if you're a beginner because if you if you do get your fundamental concepts solid by coding everything from scratch, you will have a lot less trouble when you move to more complex ideas and more complex algorithms. So that's the first resource I would definitely recommend any beginner who wants to get started with machine learning to go into. And then subsequent to that, I would strongly recommend courses from Deep Learning AI. Deep Learning AI is another company of, is actually a company of, uh, run by Professor Andrew Ng. Um, it basically, focuses on creating educational content for machine learning. They have a series of specializations on Coursera. Uh, they're paid, but if you're a student, you can apply for financial aid right on Coursera. Um, these courses uh, vary from topic to topic within um, actually going deeper into deep learning. Um, so based on your interest, once you move on from you know the simpler courses, I would recommend do the deep learning specialization and then maybe move to um, natural language processing or computer vision specialization. They even have a new one that focuses on generative adversarial networks, GANs. Um, they, they're pretty hyped right now. Uh, even people who do mm -hmm. not are not um, completely into the field of ML, they are familiar with GANs. So it depends on your interest, but at least for beginners, I would recommend, please do do the deep learning specialization. And then after you do a course, make sure you do you know get into coding and make your own projects. So. Um, that's very important. You, you, you only learn what to do based on what you're doing. So if you keep watching courses but not making projects, that's what you get good at. You, keep, you get good at watching courses and just um, listening to your instructors. But try to make your own projects and eventually it, it does get a little hard in the beginning because um, if you're new to coding, it will be a bit harder even. But once you make um, a few strong, comprehensive projects, it becomes a lot easier to work with other people to work in larger projects and eventually grow into more complex roles and projects, yeah. That's really cool and really good advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And going straight off of that, you've had a lot of experience with projects, specifically AI for good projects. Um, and so what kinds of problems do you think can be solved with AI and what solutions would you suggest? Um, that's a good question, and actually, it really depends on the um, application that one is talking about when they're trying to use yeah. AI to solve something. Let's say it's medical imaging. 
Turns out in medical imaging, AI, artificial intelligence is excellent. I work with um, a few friends right now and a few colleagues um, on um, my friend right now, is, for example, right now is doing a master's in medical imaging using AI. And mm-hmm. um, I get to hear about all sorts of applications of using computer vision algorithms and convolutional neural networks on medical imaging. You can do a lot. You can you can fast uh, like you, you can fast track the detection of um, diseases in in your cells. Um, so uh, I think it really depends. For example, in NLP, it's really easy to go into a model that does really bad, or even worse, does uh, is harmful to in the application that is being used. And for example, chatbots can become abusive. Uh, even in computer vision, it exists. Uh, com- like computer vision models can be used for deep fakes, which which can be con- which can be harmful. So I think as long as as long as the the algorithms being used and the models being developed are developed on a transparent data set that is yeah. that is constructed in a fair and explainable way, and the model itself is explainable, um, the engineers know what's going in, what's coming out, and what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and bias is mitigated. AI has a lot of applications in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that you had to focus specifically on how data is really important, specifically like clean and reliable data is important. Um, Just because, you know, as someone who also has experience with like developing AI models and working with data, data science and all that, that's so important, uh, especially when drawing conclusions. Um, And so, you know, right off of that, um some of the other projects you've also worked on have been astrodynamics projects um and so why you know astrodynamics and that seems like very different than uh you know your traditional background of ai and so how did you end up just exploring that field uh yeah i i started working at connex conceptual explorations research Mm -hmm. group um i think august or september this year and we named our mission the Arcana mission. And it's uh, an L-class multi-role observatory that would go around the Neptunian system and study Neptune and its moon Triton. It's really cool. Uh, our paper isn't out yet, but if someone remembers these words or listens to this podcast in a few months, uh, definitely Google the words and hopefully you read a very interesting paper. I've, I've been interested always in um, space research. Before I wanted to go into AI, and when I was in high school, um, I watched this movie, um, The Martian. So I watched the, I watched oh, the yes. movie, The Martian. And my favorite character in the whole movie was the astrodynamics engineer at NASA who actually figured out a way to mm-hmm. get the astronauts go around Earth using a gravity assist and back towards Mars. So as to, you know, take a lot less time to reach Mars and rescue the astronauts stranded there. Um, and that was super cool. So I've, I've always loved how... Um, you know, the, the missions are executed at large space organizations and to be able to use um, physics, um, that, was, that was really special to me. And space research was a way to combine all of that. Um, probably not machine learning immediately, even mm-hmm. right now I try to look for ways to use ML sometimes in science missions when we're talking at Connex. But the reason I got into astrodynamics was because... Um, I saw that Connex was working on this cool mission. And when I joined, actually, I was, I was trying to use ML. I was not in the astrodynamics part of the team. But then I saw that I could help that team. And yeah, that was, that, that was a small dream come true because 
it's it's really cool for me able to do something that I wanted to do back in high school. Yeah, that's really cool and really nice to see that, you know, there are people being inspired by, um, you know, the science fiction movies that people create, which is really good. Um, and, you know, you've mentioned, you know, being part of so many different opportunities. Um, how do you go about finding opportunities and determining if that one is the right one for you? Like you do uh, research with a professor, you're part of this team. Um, you also just do projects, generally speaking. So how do you go about, you know, balancing your work-life balance as well as finding opportunities and determining like you're going to pursue these ones? In terms of work-life balance, I'm the last person a high school student should look to right now. I've been told often that I do far too much. Yeah, at the moment, it might sound yeah. like I'm doing a lot. I'm doing two major research projects. I'm working at Connex. I'm about to start another research project at the same time. And I have college. Um, so, yeah, it might sound like there's, um, there's a lot going on. But, but this didn't happen overnight. So I started looking for opportunities from my freshman year from the, uh, right from the start. And the best place, honestly... Um, especially if you're going into machine learning or computer science in general. And if you want, and in terms of machine learning, if you're going into the data science and ap applied machine learning, right? If you're going, and engineering, if you're going into that, the best place, honestly, mm -hmm. to look for opportunities is LinkedIn. I spent a great deal of time developing my LinkedIn profile. It's, yeah. um, it's an amazing resource. And uh, people are there not just to, you know, talk to you and, um, talk about their projects, talk about their experiences, but also to give you opportunities. People are there to look, looking to work with you, looking to recruit you, uh, and so many other things. For example, um, my I think my first, um, well, not major, but uh, not first big break, I would call it, but um, the first time I actually, when, when COVID actually settled in and I could no longer talk to other um, computer science people from my college, I went to LinkedIn. And I was just scrolling through one day and I found um, a deep learning.ai ambassador from Kenya. Uh, we started talking and he helped me become a deep learning AI ambassador myself. We hosted a lot of events. In fact, last December in 2020, we hosted um, the largest and most successful NeurIPS local meetup. It's local meetup, but it's still an online event. We had, a, we had an amazing array of speakers from different universities, mm -hmm. Facebook, Google, Net, um, and, and NVIDIA, I think. And it was a great event. And I really enjoyed hosting events uh, in, in a good portion of 2020. So LinkedIn is a great place, honestly, to look for opportunities. For example, when I started working for Omdena uh, for a long time, the organization where I did AI for good projects, I, I found that through LinkedIn too, um, from, the, from the deep learning AI ambassador who helped me actually do deep learning AI ambassadorship. He helped me get into Omdena. So uh, you, you, you truly build a network when you're on LinkedIn, um, you you learn yeah, you learn from each other, and that's that's always there. But you also learn you also get to see a lot of opportunities, and oftentimes you see it's a small world because you go you go in a different direction, and you find the same people also coming there from a different from a different path. In terms of re so that's for engineering and applied ML, or in general comp sci opportunities. If you're looking to get into research, a machine learning research or any kind, to be honest. The best way that I have discovered so far, and I'm new, I mean, I'm not new to, yeah, I guess I'm new to research. So the best way I would recommend is email. Email is the best when you want to reach out to professors or people you want to work with yeah. in terms of research. Um, yeah, so, so email and make, 
and and make sure that uh, make sure that when you're emailing professors, you're not making your emails um, super long. Um, keep them short unless you can make a long email that is good. So if if you're good at email writing, if you're good at keeping your readers hooked, then a medium length email would not will not hurt you. Uh, but be careful <laughs> when when doing that. Oh, you, you might not hear a reply. So. Um, Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you have a few projects under your belt, if you know your, let's say, machine learning concepts well, and you know the math a little bit, you can code, you have a few models, you have a good GitHub profile. By the way, GitHub is really important, whether you're going into research or uh, you know, engineering, you need to have projects mm-hmm. that you can just share a link to. Immediately, people can go through what you have done, right? So as long as you have your GitHub as well, People, professors won't, they're not trying to, you know, find um, Google level, you know, employees to work with them on research projects. They are looking for students. They are looking for people who wish to learn and more importantly, who, who, bring, a new, who bring new perspectives. For example, I'm working with um, Riken, which, which is a Japanese lab, and I'm working with a professor from the University of Utah. In, in both cases, I am far, far less experienced on the, on the regimes of machine learning research that I'm working on. And yet I always try to bring new perspectives, even if it's trivial, even if it's basic, quote unquote basic, or like a small idea, it turns out it can branch into something that was not there before. So more than anything else, especially in research, well, other things are important, but more than anything else, you need to have, um, you need to be active, you need to be proactive, you need to do things without being told, without being without you being told to do them. And you need to be and you need to be curious. So you know you bring those fresh ideas and and yeah you need to be interested enough to take things up yourself. And because that's how research is done. The people won't be managing you, people won't be always you can have decided tasks, but people won't be just telling you. You're not just a coder. Even if you are coding a good portion, you are a person who thinks alongside the idea. Yeah, that's really useful. Thank you so much. And it does look like we've reached time. So I wanted to ask if there's any last um, pieces of advice or anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up. Of course. I wanted to say, um, yeah, just like a little bit about imposter syndrome, especially mm-hmm. uh, because many of the listeners might, might be high school students or even middle school students. Um, yeah. when, you, when you get into computer science and when you get into, let's say, machine learning or any similar field, whether you're engineering or you're doing research, regardless, you'll, there will come a point, well, like I can say this with almost absolute certainty, when you'll feel as if, as if things are getting too hard as if your project's mm-hmm. complexity is too hard or um, the 10 people you're working with, um, are you're not able to move at, at a pace fast enough to keep up with them. Um, when, when that happens, just take a, just, just, I would say like pause for a moment and evaluate where, the position where you're at. And almost always you'll realize that your, that your thought your thoughts on you not being good enough for a specific project or you not moving fast enough for a specific thing you're working on or you're studying is due to because you're trying to improve yourself and that in itself is an amazing thing to have so it's it's so when it's the next time when you're feeling imposter syndrome 
think think of that as a positive aspect and a positive detail because you're actually trying to improve yourself beyond your beyond what your limits are and you're moving into outside sorry not into outside your comfort zone and that's not just commendable that's amazing so keep 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 that up and welcome feeling like an um, welcome that feeling of imposter syndrome because that means that's the right direction that's incredible great advice thank you so much i mean imposter syndrome is definitely real and i'm glad that you are encouraging people to spin it in a positive direction so thank you so much for joining us and now i'll pop it over to our next segment Hello everyone, I'm Michael Batavia, and welcome back to another installment of the Pop Culture Bite, where we'll bring you the latest buzz in the intersection between tech and current pop culture trends. Let's start off with the latest news taking the internet by storm, Elon Musk and Twitter. Back in late March, Musk posed questions to his Twitter followers, inquiring about whether Twitter allows for free speech to occur naturally on its platform. After a resounding answer of no to his poll, Musk posed another question the next day, asking his followers to give ideas about what should be done to fix Twitter. From the various replies he received in his thread, Musk decided to buy 9.2% of the company, making him the largest shareholder and an active investor in the company. As a response to this, Twitter CEO Parag Agarwal invited him to become one of the board of directors of the company. Since then, a majority of Musk's tweets have been focused on Twitter policy. Reaction to Musk's purchase have been mixed, but those who support the decision argued that it allows Twitter to end its partisan censorship done by AI and allow more posts of different viewpoints to remain on the platform. However, it's only been a little more than a week, so the effects of Musk's decision remain to be seen. Hopefully, his involvement will be for the betterment of the platform. Well, this turmoil works itself out on the political side of social media, an amazing new AI has been making shockwaves via its art on Instagram. This is all from the latest installment of OpenAI's text-to-art AI, DAO-E2, which can create museum-quality art from just a simple description of a phenomena and an art style. While we previously discussed such phenomena with the description of Wombo Dream in episode 3, DAL-E was the original that was just created as a test of visualized concepts, and it has evolved into so much more than that over the course of its development. Its latest improvement allows users to make context-aware edits to an image by just specifying the object to be added and a position, and create different tone variations to a given image or portrait. You know, if you want to put a flamingo in an image, you can, and it will add a perfect reflection and shadow. It's kind of amazing. OpenAI isn't planning to publicly release the model anytime soon. Instead, you have to get access through a limited waitlist, but it is using the model to update their research on its original goal of AI visualizing text. Fortunately, the research team allows users to directly message them on social media with their own prompt for the network. These prompts later get posted on these platforms for the whole world to see. If you're interested in checking out Dal E's art, you can visit its Instagram handle at, at OpenAIDAO or check out its website at openai.com slash DAOE2. And you can just direct message them and you can get your art that you get from an AI. Before we go, we have a special announcement. The Congressional App Challenge's annual House of Code will be held this month from April 20th to April 22nd. The event will kick off with addresses from congressmen and keynote speakers and will feature student presentations from the winning teams in each district. 
The event will be on Zoom, and you can RSVP now for the event on the Congressional App Challenge website. We hope to see you there, checking out the apps made from future STEM leaders all throughout the country. That's all the time we have for today's Pop Culture Bite. We hope you enjoyed and got a dose of what's been trending for the past week. I'm Michael Batavia. We'll see you back here next week. Now back to you, Meta. And that's that. Thanks so much to our tech news expert. And thank you so much to our tech fans and listeners. This has been the Congressional App Challenge Debugged Podcast. Be sure to check us out on all podcast streaming platforms. And if you want to hit up our social medias, check out the Congressional App Challenge on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your host, Medha Gupta, signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.